Well, I'm excited at the message that God has given us to share today. And wherever you're making your connection with us, Coral Gables Campus, Kindle Campus, Christ Journey, across the nation, around the world, we are praying that God will bring his blessing alive through his word into your life today. So I am at the security checkpoint at the airport, coming back from some time away and um, recently, and I got stopped. Security guard, the, the officer said, uh, is this your bag? I said, yes. He said, there's something dangerous in it? I said, no. He said, what's this? Pointed at the screen, and there was this green glow, dense thing. I said, I don't know. He said, well, let's see. So opens it up, starts digging around in my stuff, pulls out this three-inch, four-inch thick book, lifts it up, you know, it's, it's my, he said, it's this. This is my study Bible. <laughs> you know, I had taken it with me. I said, well, that, that could be dangerous. <laughs> I said, if, if you follow it, is what I said. He didn't laugh. Um, he gave it back to me. I repacked my stuff and tried to behave, you know. Um, but there's the big question. So what's the deal with the Bible? What, why the big deal about the Bible? You go to church, they say, oh, you gotta read the Bible. Teaching pastor gets up to say, oh, I have a word from God in the Bible. What's the big deal about the Bible? We go to a group, you get connected in a group, which I hope you will, but one of the things they're gonna wanna do is to say, well, how do we bring the Bible to your life? Why, what's the big deal about the Bible? I mean, the highest office of this land, they bring out a Bible, you're supposed to put your hand on it, you know, and then after the oath, why the Bible? You know, the, uh, the first president of the United States, after taking the oath on the Bible, he actually kissed it and said, so help me God. Why? What's the big deal about the Bible? You ever wondered? And um, haven't we, I mean, why would I wanna give my personal attention and time to an old book about religion? Maybe you haven't said it out loud, but you've thought it, and then it shows up in the, in your actions, you know, because you're not doing it. So it's like, haven't we outgrown these superstitions? Aren't we sophisticated now so that we really don't need whatever's in there? What's the big deal about the Bible? And then here's another thing. Once you start reading it, you know what you're going to find? You're going to find some of the stories in there are like crazy. <laughs> like they're going to read like tabloid headlines. Is it okay for me to say that? It's like rebellious preacher gets swallowed by a fish and then spit up on a beach. That sounds like something you'd read in a tabloid. Motivational, motivational speaker walks on water, says, follow me. Some of the stories, they're gonna, it's like, really, how, what? Other stories, I'm telling you, they're gonna feel cruel. They're gonna feel cruel because there is some heavy duty justice that gets unleashed through the sword and through famine. I mean, it's, there are places that it's gonna feel crazy and it's gonna feel cruel. All the more reason to say, why would I wanna spend my time in the book, in the Bible? And if you've ever felt that way, you're not alone. In fact, Kevin Hart, he's like this comedic force in today's entertainment. Um, when he was first getting started, he had some struggles. 
talked to his mother about it. Actually, Oprah Winfrey interviewed him about those early days, and his mom gave him some advice that had something to do with the Bible. Check this out. I told my mom, mom, this is what I want to do. My mom said, you know what? Kevin, she said, I'm not a dream killer. Her exact words, I'm not a dream killer. Ooh, you're I telling me that. this is what you want to do? I'm going to let you do it. She said, you got a year. You got one year to prove to me that this is what you want to do and that you can support yourself. Wow. She said, I will help you out for a year. My mom said she'll pay my rent for a year. This is a crazy story. So like six months going by, it's at a point where, you know, I'm not really making money, but I'm loving it. I'm loving stand-up comedy. I'm making great relationships with comedians, comedy clubs. I haven't paid my rent in like a month. I'm like, mom, you know, the rent, where's the rent at? She's like, are you reading your Bible? I said, mom, come on. I don't have time to talk about that right now, mom. I'm late, like I need the rent money. Are you reading your Bible? Mom, no. When you read your Bible, then we'll talk about rent. Another week, two weeks go by. Mom, they're gonna evict me if you don't give me this rent money. Mom, I'm serious. Have you read your Bible? Yes. Okay, well, then let's talk about rent. Mom, that's, I, I don't wanna talk about the scriptures. I need the, I need the money. A month go by, I get eviction notice on my door. They're about to kick me out. I'm like, mom, I go to her house. I got the eviction notice. She said, talk to me when you read your Bible. I said, I can't talk to you right now. I just leave. <laughs> I go home. I said, man, let me open this Bible up. Open the Bible up. Six rent checks fall out. She put all my rent checks. Oh my goodness. She put all my rent checks. From that six months throughout the rest of the year, they were all there. So... Why would you want to read your Bible? <laughs> because there's going to be money in there. It's going to fall out of your Bible if you do. Oh, maybe not money, but I can tell you that there is a gold mine of truth that can enrich your life in there. And it has been doing it for me for a long time. And every day I'm digging in the gold mine to see what benefit. Now, you would expect me to say that because I'm the pastor, right? It's like, um, but I can tell you how it felt the first time years ago when God started talking to me through his word in the Bible, how the spirit was encouraging me and lifting my eyes and feeding my soul and nourishing, guiding my path, helping my decision-making. So now I do it every day. So you wanna enrich your life, here's what I can tell you. Get into God's truth and let God's truth get into you. This is foundational for growing Christ followers, but like Kevin, <laughs> if you don't open your Bible, it can't do you much good. You're going to miss its treasures. It's like medicine. If you don't take it, it won't help you get well. And so um, I just want to cut right to the bottom line. If the Bible, listen, if the Bible isn't what it claims to be, um, a living channel for the words of God's life and truth to get to you, then I will be the first to tell you, do not waste your time with it. What's the point? But if through it, you can experience God's life and blessing in your life every day, come what may, then what could be more significant? Serious, you know, seriously. So here's how I'm living. I believe the Bible has decisive authority over what I say and do. 
And that's my pitch to you today. Week three, foundation series, something to believe in. And I want to tell you, you can believe and follow the teaching of the Bible. And I want to tell you why I do, because I'm typically suspicious of authority. How about you? And yet, I still believe the Bible has decisive authority over what I say and do. Even though it's misquoted and it's been abused and it's been taken out of context and it's been used to do despicable things by despicable people, that doesn't change for me the fact that God has spoken in time and those words gathered and preserved in the book we now call the Bible, even though it has been, people have tried to eliminate it time and again over history. Has it ever been more needed than today? I mean, in a world of confusion and fog and diversion and spin and distraction and digital fake news, I believe the Bible has decisive authority over what I say and do. Now, why would I say that? Why would anybody say that? And I wanna give you some reasons. Here's the first, it's trustworthy. First reason for me, it's trustworthy. And I wanna unpack that by addressing another question, but I wanna direct your attention as well to the Christ Journey app because there are extensive notes that are there today that will help you track with me as we think through this. First, I just wanna answer the question, what is the Bible? If you've ever wondered, what is the Bible? I gotta tell you, it is not simply one book. It was not written as a single book from beginning to end. It really is a collective of narrative writings that tell a story of two covenants, the first covenant in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, and then the second in the New. It is a compilation of some 66 writings that we call books that were written over a period of about 1,500 years by some 40 different writers or individuals. The 39 books of the Old Testament include the law, what's called Torah, prophets, and then the writings. And then the Old Testament, mostly written in Hebrew, tells the story of humanity's origin as the uh, image bearer of creator God who was given crown responsibility over this earth. And then how sin came to infect life and how God comes to the rescue by establishing a covenant with the people he called out that we know as Israel as part of fulfilling his global purpose of redemption. That's the storyline of the Old Testament. Now, the 27 books of the New Testament, the New Covenant, uh, some 300 pages in total, they were all written within two generations of Jesus. And um, that means by the end of the first century. And they tell the story of the fulfillment of the first covenant, the, the old covenant, how the God now come in flesh redeemer who loves fallen humanity and fallen creation has come to help reconcile what has been broken and lost. So the letters of the New Testament, if you're a Christ follower, then I'm telling you why the majority of the letters of the New Testament were written. They were to help people like you experience the fullness of your inheritance in Christ as you join and follow him in his redemptive mission on earth. Now, if you're new to the Bible, one of the things that you would want to know is that the Bible was not written as a book of science or math or literature 
or philosophy, though it speaks to all of life and brings its authority into all of life, its focus really is the salvation of humanity. But the question is, why would I want to trust it? If that's what it is, then why do we trust it? Now, here are some of my reasons. Over three, first, it's internal claims. Over 3,000 times, the writers, the prophets, priests, kings, eyewitnesses of the Bible, they claim that Scripture speaks with divine reliability. That means they will quote things saying, the Lord said, God said, the sovereign Lord said. And so uh, Scripture claims divine reliability. Um, Isaiah the prophet summarizes it this way, grass withers, flowers fail, fall, but the word of our God stands forever. Moses, as he was recording what God said, he said, God is not man that he should lie. The reliability of God's truth. So the content of the Bible claims divine origin. Now second, it's a proven authenticity. How can you prove a historical document's authenticity? Well, the biblical faith is rooted in history. That's where it it was anchored and revealed in life in history. That means that objective research can verify it. And it's interesting that Luke, who's the author of Luke's gospel, the only non-Jewish author in the New Testament said that's precisely what he sought out to do. Before he ever wrote anything down, he did his homework first. And this is what he says, I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning. And it seemed good to me also to write to you an orderly account so that you might know the certainty of the things you have been taught. John says something similar. He said what, in his letter, he said, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. These were, this wasn't some group of scholars in a smoke-filled room saying, hey, let's come up with a new religion. No, they were just writing down what they had seen, what they had heard as eyewitnesses of Jesus. Peter said the same thing in the letter that he wrote called Second Peter. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. You read these stories in the New Testament, especially you're wondering, how did they get that? Well, they said, we saw it happen in Jesus, which means history can be verified. So how is the Bible verified? Well, there's archeology. span Dr. Gluck, one of the most famous affirmations from an archeologist, president of Hebrew Union College, he said, it may be stated categorically that no archeological discovery has ever controverted a biblical reference. So Indiana Jones and all of his searching has not found anything to reverse any claim the Bible has made. Next, historicity. We compare what we have in the Bible to what we know from other world history experiences and sources at that time. So John Roberts, historian, author of History of the World, claims that we accept as bona fide history many other writings regarding far more difficult subject matter with far less evidence given the same tests. The Bible passes the tests of history better than they do. I'm summarizing here. Textual manuscript accuracy. Anybody ever said to you, well, you know, the Bible's been translated so many times, so they probably changed it, and so you really can't trust it. No, actually, you can trust it. Dr. Bruce Metzger, Princeton scholar, 
says this, there are over 5,300 known Greek manuscripts of the New Testament with the earliest copy dating to the first half of the second century. And so when comparing the words, this is what textual scholars do, across the manuscripts, he said less than one half of 1% are in question. In other words, our New Testament has been proven 99.9% accurate. By the way, if you're new to the Bible, and it seemed like this daunting book, like where do you start? One of the places for a new person, the best place to start is the New Testament. I would just suggest to you, start with the eyewitness account of, P, of John in the letter, in the gospel called John, and then just read from there to the end, less than, you know, 250 pages maybe. And it won't take you that long, but it'll help you to refresh and it'll give you an on-ramp into your first uh, exposure to the scripture with your own eyes, okay? But back to the reasons. Internal claims, it says this is God's word. Proven authenticity, archeology, span history, textual manuscript accuracy. And how about this one? Fulfilled predictions. Fulfilled predictions. We saw this as we studied Daniel recently, but Daniel, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, all of those prophets predict the rise and fall of specific nations in world history before they had risen to power <laughs> and then the fall before they had risen and then history verifies it out. In the New Testament, the writers there say that the messianic predictions that were made by prophets like Isaiah and Hosea and Micah and even Moses. They saw them fulfilled in Jesus of Nazareth. If you're interested in knowing how those prophets were viewed by the New Testament writers, Matthew is a great place to start because he just tracks you right through it. He'll say, like Isaiah said, like Jeremiah said, and then show you how Jesus fulfilled that prediction. Luke, once again, quotes an experience that Jesus had in that, Luke 24, 27, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all of the scriptures concerning himself. One of the most profound predictions that we see fulfilled is in Isaiah chapter 53. And if you'd really like to do a drill down, we have put a website link in the message notes so that you can go there. 700 years before Jesus, before the crucifixion of Jesus, I believe before history had ever shown the invention of such a thing as an agonizing death by crucifixion, the prophet Isaiah was already depicting it. It's profound. But here's a big reason for me. Jesus himself declares it to be divinely authoritative. He says, Sermon on the Mount, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of the pen will, will by any means disappear from the law. Until everything is accomplished, God is committed to fulfilling his word as we have received it in scripture. John chapter 10, verse 35, he says, you know, scripture cannot be broken. Jesus had a very high view of scripture. When facing temptation, he responded by saying, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. There's reason enough for me to say, man, if Jesus says I need this to live, then every day I'm gonna be eating 
because it's not enough just to eat bread. I need to feed on his truth. So why do I believe the Bible has decisive authority over what I say and what I do? It's trustworthy. Jesus believed it's divine authority. And third, it's helpful. Man, you're gonna see its benefit come alive in your life when you get into it. That's the promise of scripture, that it will change your life personally. It is a, there is a return on this investment that is more than just doing a school assignment. You can experience life-changing grace and power from God through the truth of his word. And Paul gets real specific about it in a letter that he wrote. See, really, when you're reading the New Testament, you're just reading mail. Letters that were written to people to help them understand how can they access, and here's what Paul says, the Holy Scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. You will encounter information that will come alive in your mind, in your heart, and lead you to a life change in Christ. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So what Paul says is Scripture is inspired. The literal meaning is God-breathed. It's like <sighs> divine CPR. It has the life of God in its breath. That's its self-description. Verse 15 then gives us the Bible's purpose. Why was it written? So that you could experience Jesus Christ and salvation by faith in him. So the purpose of the Bible is to point you to Jesus Christ so that he can come alive in you and you have salvation in him. So the Bible becomes like a telescope, like to, to an astronomer, a telescope brings heaven close. So likewise, the Bible is intended to help you experience God up close to see, to, to focus clearly on who he is and how's he, how he's at work and how you can experience it in your own life and your life will change. We heard Samer not so long ago, a Wahhabi imam in training from the Middle East who stood on this platform and said that he had started reading the New Testament even though he was not allowed to in his training. He started reading it and he met Jesus and then he started loving his enemies. His life changed and that's the promise that God says. When you get serious about seeking him through his word, your life doesn't stay the same. So. The Bible is not a book of science, not a book of literature, not a book of philosophy, not a business manual, though its moral and spiritual truth speaks with authority in all areas of life. It's not a history textbook, though it was written as God revealed himself across history, climaxing in Jesus Christ, but it is the story. Here's the storyline of the Bible, of, the, of, the, of a God who made this cosmos and this world, who loves rebels who deserve judgment, and then comes to their rescue, not only for heaven later, but for full salvation in life now. And that's the storyline. The Bible message has the breath of God in it so that as you take it in, it will bring you to Christ in whom you experience salvation that then starts growing over time into the fullness of a life of impact. And then he says, here's what you can expect. It operates in four ways. The Bible will teach you. It will inform and enlarge your learning 
about the way of life. Have you ever wondered, how can I experience God's life in my life? And how can my life beyond this life continue to be thriving with life? The Bible was designed to take you there, teaching. And then secondly, he says, rebuking. That's showing me when I stray from the way, you know, prone to wander, I mess stuff up sometimes. And the Bible, like a good parent, like a good coach, is gonna say, hey, 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 you know, you're, you're, you're off track. And then, like a great parent, like a great coach, is gonna say, and here's how you can get right back on the way. And if you try this, you know, next time you're, you're breaking out to make the pass, try this. That's what coaches do. You know, they catch you when you're messing up and then they say, and why don't you try this? So they correct you so that you can fix that. That's what the Bible, that's what Paul says the Bible will do for you. It'll show you the way. It'll show you when you veer from the way. It'll show you how to get back in the way. And then it'll say, and here's how to stay in those, in, on this path so that now others can join you in it and their life can be benefited too. Verse 17 is the outcome. Why? Well, so that the man of God, the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Have you ever caught yourself saying, well, I just don't know if I have what it takes. I don't know if I know enough. I don't know if I'm strong enough. I don't know if I'm whatever enough. Well, I don't know if I have the equipment that I need. That's why God has given you the Bible. So that you can open it, get its riches out, and it will equip you for what you have lacked so far. This is the place, you, this is your commissary. This is your arsenal. This is your equipping center. Because through the Bible, I can be fully outfitted to live a life of productivity and fruitfulness for God. Jesus said similar thing. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you ask what you will. It's gonna affect the, your prayers. You wanna see your prayers answered? Well, meet him in the word. And then he says, and then you will bear much fruit. Do you want to see your life have impact? He said, then starts by meeting him in the word. Meet Jesus through the word. It'll affect your praying and your service to the world. And this is why all of our ministries at Christ's Journey are centered in scripture. Every age and stage of life, we bring the truth of God's word to life, to help us experience God's life in our lives. This is why we read and practice, or we, we uh, encourage and practice daily Bible reading, daily Bible reflection, daily Bible reflection. This is why we memorize certain passages of the Bible so that we can meditate on it and soak it up and let it get into our thinking. This is... Uh, why, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, whether you're exploring Christ, maybe you're here just checking it out, kicking the tires and saying, I wonder what that would feel like if I were to do that. Well, this is how you can discover. Or whether you're growing in Christ, you're a new believer, but you wanna grow in Christ, why we give you in a journey kit, we give you a Bible because there's, this is why. Or why as a believer that is close to Christ, why you want to stay closer and grow stronger and go deeper and then live a life that is Christ-centered, which means let's have an impact that's going to be make an eternal difference. It all comes back to this. The most catalytic thing that you can do to grow spiritually is get into God's truth and let God's truth get into you. And to the degree that you want to see the impact on your end, then let the intake of God's word 
come into you. That's why, and we're trying to help right now by every day, 91 days of prayer through the Christ Journey app every morning, a verse will pop up and a prayer that I've written to join you in that. How did, where did those come from? I'll tell you where they came from. They came from that dangerous Bible of mine <laughs> where all I did was sit down as I was starting in prayer and I said, now Lord, would you lead me? And I just started from the beginning of my Bible and just started flipping through the pages and my notes in the margins and where I had highlighted and what verses I had. And all I'm doing is, is taking the verses that God has used to speak to me and saying, maybe he could speak to you and we can translate that into a prayer and he can meet us together. So start your day with his word and a prayer. And then I would say, you know, make your week by connecting here, but then take it to the next level by getting in a group where others who are also new to the Bible, you don't have to be a Bible expert to get in a group. That's where we learn together. And since we're starting new groups, the chances are there'll be some other new people that the Bible is new to them too. And what a great chance on this. This is the final day of our group's launch today. Why would you want to do that? So that these benefits can come to you. And if I can summarize them real quickly, once again, what's the return on investment? If you choose to do this, here's what's going to happen in your life. Here's what Paul says. You will come to experience eternal security. Your salvation can be eternally secure in Christ. You can meet Jesus in a life-changing way that will never end. Salvation in Christ. Secondly, spiritually mature, a spiritual maturity, so that as you're growing, you want to know, how can I get stronger? How can I get, how can I go deeper? How can I learn more? Well, it's all right here. As you feed on the scripture and let the Holy Spirit lead you to follow Christ to the point that life impact, an impact that will endure, will start rippling out from your life, not only in this life, but in the next life. And that's the promise of this word. Why the big deal about the Bible, which explains why I believe that the Bible has decisive authority over what I say and do. Do you? Let's pray. Gracious almighty God, we humble ourselves before you today in gratitude that you speak, that you are at work in our world, that you have been at work through the millennia of history and that you have graced us to have your thoughts and words recorded in this amazing book, the Holy Bible. And so I just want to thank you for how it lights me up and how my life has been enriched through it. And I want to pray for every person who is joining me in this journey so that theirs could be too, that the light that you desire, this light to their path could come on for them and the food for their soul could just enrich them and that they would meet you through the story that you have recorded for us in your word. And so for people at every age and stage of their spiritual life today, I'm praying that those who know you could grow stronger, that those who are serving could grow deeper, that those who are centering their lives in you would extend their reach even farther. And for those who are beginning who are still wondering, who've perhaps never taken you at your word and never trusted you, that this would be that day. And if that's you, then each week we gather, I offer a prayer and invite you to join me in it, some for the very first time. Perhaps this is your time. 
It's simply this. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins. I am turning from my way to your way. And I believe that on the cross and in your resurrection, you did everything required to remove the barriers of my sin and to bring your life to my life. So come into my life, I receive you. And now lead me as I follow you. If you prayed that prayer with me and would let me ask God's blessing upon your new steps of faith, then I wanna invite you just simply to raise your hand and hold it up just for a moment and give me a chance to look around the room and find you. If you're joining us online, there's an orange banner across the screen you can click on right there and we're praying for you as well. So God bless you in the middle of the room, I see you, God bless you. To my right in the middle of the room, likewise, and to my far right, thank you, sir. In the back on the right, again, Thank you very much. God bless you. Anyone to my left? Am I missing anyone? Lord Jesus, for these who have raised their hands as a symbol of opening their heart to you and a request of prayer for me, Lord, I pray your blessing upon them, that they will feel your presence, that they will know that you are trustworthy and that your spirit coming alive in them would give them fresh peace and joy and now direction and blessing as we make our prayer in your name. Amen.